You're listening to Strange by Nature, your guide to the strange, weird, unbelievable, and improbable wonders of the natural world. Thanks for being here today. I am Kirk Mona, and I am joined today by Rachel Ginza and Victoria Thompson. We are all professional naturalists who together have scoured the world for weird and wonderful wonders just to please your mammalian brain's desire for novelty. Isn't that nice? Let's do this. Hello, everyone. I'm very excited. I get to start hey. us off this week. Hey. Hey. And... And I'm very excited because we actually have my friend, Wait a minute. Alicia. They are joining us this week. They are a... I was going to say, that didn't sound like uh, Victoria. It wasn't Victoria. That's my friend, <laughs> Alicia. They're a naturalist about town. Uh, go ahead and you say hello. Hi. Excited to be here. Uh, I got to know Alicia through one of our mutual... Uh, naturalist gigs down in the cities and they're just really fun and they had their own podcast for a while so I thought hey want to come join us for a little bit and they said yes so I'm very excited um awesome welcome yeah okay thanks so I'm getting a start this week and you know one day one day I'll do a nice topic again um, maybe something that's uh, oh, strange and, and nice and maybe not horrifying. Uh, but, but today is not that day. That would be une unexpected though. <laughs> okay. Exactly. Great. So uh, we have something that is normal and horrifying <laughs> or is it also strange and horrifying? It's strange and horrifying. Oh, goody. Wonderful. Excellent. Uh, and normally, like, to settle us in, I'd maybe tell us a story or, like, tell, say, hey, we're going to walk or something. But uh, when I stumbled upon this, my first thought was quite literally, oh, oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, oh, no. Oh. So, that makes me think I'm Don't no. go there. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> like, well, now this is my topic. Uh, so as naturalists, uh, we often spend time in the woods poking at dead things with sticks yep. and turning over logs with sticks. Yep. Oh, absolutely. It's my favorite thing. Um, I don't know about you two, but I see centipedes all the time. Like, especially if I'm turning over logs in like the spring and fall and summer. So most of the seasons, oh, yeah. um, so you want right, to learn yep. about, uh, one from my nightmares. Cause it's certainly going to be there now. Sure. Is it going to be worse than absolutely. the one from Let's Uzumaki? We'll find out, I guess. <laughs> Maybe entirely possible. <laughs> okay. Oh, uh, so the Amazon oh, Amazonian <laughs> giant centipede is found natively in obviously northern South America in the Amazon rainforest. Like most centipedes, it can be found in leaf litter or under rocks, but it'll actively hunt above ground uh, at night. Now, most people, when they see a centipede, they immediately go, ah, bug, insect. It's not. It's an arthropod. Um, they have their own, like, class and everything. They're not part of insects at all. Uh, the Amazon giant centipede is long, skinny, with anywhere from 21 to 27 segments of its body. Uh, reddish brown with... Long, banana, yellow-jointed, 
a legs. Okay. That uh-huh. uh, and antennae that it uses to hunt. This centipede is the largest in the world. And that was a big sigh you just took there. <laughs> it can. It has been found to be about a foot long. Oh, oh or no! Thirty centimeters. Mm, lovely. Uh-huh. I hate it. <laughs> So I mean that's sh- it's shorter than I was worried you were gonna say. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That that's that's fair. But for a centipede, that for the most part, uh, when you see one, is maybe two inches long. To find one that is right. Is it because? Is it because you're picturing it like crawling up your neck uh, right now and like blah. like while you're sleeping, it's like <laughs> legs yes. are across your face. Yes, is. is that is that? That is it. That's yeah, okay. Yes. That's what it is. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Is it, Under- uh-huh, understandable. Uh-huh. Understandable. Carry on. Great. Uh, so it uses its antenna to feel vibrations. Uh, it, its eyesight okay. is horrible. So it, like a lot of other centipedes, is car- it's a carnivorous centipede. And it hunts anything that it can overpower. So including insects, spiders, even tarantulas, scorpions, small lizards like a green iguana. Um, it's been known to Kay. eat... Uh, frogs and snakes that are up to about 10 inches long and sparrow-sized birds. Wow. Oh, my. That was unexpected. Okay. So large. The centipedes, and this is really what caught my attention. So the centipedes are even known to climb up the side of caves, like the walls of caves, to the top of the caves. Caves. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Uh Uh-huh. To the don't like top where this of is the going. ceiling. Go on. Where they will hang, holding on by even just a few <sighs> feet, what? few legs. Oh. They will dangle. And dangle? Do oh they dangle? God. They are dangling. Oh, dangling centipede. Dangling oh, no. centipede. No. No, Rachel, wait. why? They wait and bats yeah. fly out oh, to no. catch and eat bats. <gasps> Oh my god. Wait, so they catch they catch the bats that are flying by? Uh-huh. Just in their arms. I think the bats That's would nuts. like see them with their You would think you know, or be or you know, use their uh, echolocation and see wow. Uh-huh. So Maybe they're they able sort of to can catch them. stretch they out or something. Keep... That is wild. Well, the bats probably aren't yeah, expecting just... the stalactite to oh. move. I, I wouldn't. Well, that, that's true. If they can move, you know, side yeah. to side. And, oh mm-hmm. my gosh, I don't I suppose you know what though. I'm oh. picture what I'm picturing is like a big, huge cave, and mm-hmm. they maybe hanging out in areas that are much more narrow openings where their body is filling yeah. up a, a larger portion of. It. I'm picturing a cave that I'm walking in, and they're like <laughs> mm-hmm. dropping down my shirt. Oh god! Whoa. But you know, it's probably a different situation than that. I mean, probably, but I wouldn't put it past them. I think like bigger caves as well, uh, not just uh, these smaller ones that they can fill on their own. Uh, I think that they can also just fill the um, fill the space, but they can. I think they're also just using on their own. You know? Huh? Yeah, sure. Awful. Wild. Uh, so, and if 
it, that's that's really terrible isn't it isn't it thank you for sharing such a horrible thing um uh, oh it, i mean it's amazing and wonderful <laughs> and beautiful and part of the strangeness right. of nature and i love it right but it's also like i, isn't uh, it? I could go my life without and, uh, seeing one of those in person yeah you know what if it wasn't bad enough they're also highly venomous. oh there's more <laughs> oh yeah. good oh Excellent. good <laughs> yeah good <laughs> Wonderful, um, Rachel. Thank you. Anytime. They their front two legs uh actually act as like claws. So they are not claws, but like okay. um they can use them to inject venom into their prey. So they're highly venomous, which paralyzes the prey, uh whatever prey that they can overpower. But uh rarely it can even kill humans. This venom, this neurotoxin. Uh, oh, okay. I don't wow. like that. that oof. So the yeah. one that falls down my shirt, you're saying that's actually problematic. It, it is. Okay. Yeah. If anything, okay. if it does. And where is this you, exactly? <laughs> in uh, northern South America. Uh, so you know where not to uh, go. So I'm 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 a, I'm a ways yeah. away. Yeah. Um, okay. it, and generally speaking, for most uh, people who are like our age and like healthy-ish. It's going to cause like a fever. It's going to be very painful and there might be a rash and things like that. Uh, the person who was most recently documented as actually dying from uh, a bite from an Amazoni Amazonian giant right. centipede was a four-year-old Venezuelan girl. Um, oh. oh, yeah, sad. Yeah, sad. Um, apparently, uh, she went to um, take a drink from an open pop can. And the centipede had been in the pop can, and it bit her. Oh God! Oh no! No, no Rachel, oh, no! Yeah, which is oh, awful. I don't like oh. when there's like a like a wasp in my can. Yeah, it's oh, kind of weird. That's just yeah. And uh, this was pretty recent. This was in uh, twenty fourteen. So yeah, it's it's not great. Um, on on a different note, uh, okay. On to try to Oof, end on a that's, more that's positive tough. note, rather than what the an death uplifting of a story child. you've brought us. And you know, I warned you that it was, uh, not great. Um, on a more uplifting oh, note, uh, God. when they're the the mothers are fierce, sorry, children are fierce predators, or obviously they're fierce predators. Um, they're fierce protectors of their eggs. They actually like curl up into an actual basket. Uh, and like all of their eggs underneath, uh, underneath their body and their leg segments fold up to protect them, and they just kind of hang out there until the eggs uh, hatch, huh. which is kind of cute and kind of fun. That's very that sweet. Cute. Terrifying. Yeah, I, I had kind of cute, kind of <laughs> nightmarish, <laughs> but uh, yeah. Yeah, it's gonna haunt my nightmares. <laughs> so cute in a demonic horror kind of way. But yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, wonderful. Thank you. Well, thank you for sharing <laughs> that with us, I think. Maybe. All right. Well, uh, that's all I have for us uh, this week. Uh, so we're going to take a break. And when we return, it, we're going to have a story from Alicia. I'm really excited. And we're back. So I have something really cool to talk about this week. Um, and it's something that I am really interested in. So I really love mushrooms and I'm wondering how much 
you two oh, yeah. have heard about lobster mushrooms. Lobster mushrooms. I'm going to say somewhere between uh, nothing and less than okay. nothing. Oh, good. Uh, I know that they taste like lobster. And they have a really yeah. like meaty texture. But uh -huh. that that's about and I know they're bright red. I've seen them. Unfortunately, I couldn't pick mm. them because it was past its prime. So it was kinda it was a sad looking oh, yeah. mushroom. Ah. But uh I've yeah. heard they're delicious. So yeah, as the name suggests, uh they are similar to lobster they have sort of a fishy ish taste um they're very firm like cooked lobster meat and the best thing of all they are bright bright orangey red uh on the outside and then white on the inside um and i am already properly horrified they are wonderful they are known to be a choice edible mushroom people <laughs> love to pick them and forage them and i also do too um but yeah. there's something pretty weird about them that i a lot of people don't know about them even people who forage and eat them um and that is that they're not okay. mushrooms they're oh. not mushrooms oh. at all okay uh so they're actually a fungus plot twist they're a fungus so they're still in the same fam like the same kingdom uh, so a fungus but not a mushroom they're not a mushroom okay. and they actually can't make their own like structures so like the thing that you're picking hmm. didn't used to be a lobster mushroom what because it was actually oh, okay. a different type of mushroom what awesome go on so uh, lobster like fungus it. is also called hypomyces lactiflorum and it's a parasitic fungus that takes over its host as the mushroom is forming Wow, that's super cool. Yeah. That's wild. So it uh, commonly parasitizes um, mushrooms in the Rusula or brittle cap families and lactarius or milk cap uh, families. And it takes over them while they're still forming underground. So quick rundown on mushrooms. Um, they're actually just the fruiting body of the fungus. So they're what appears above ground or on the surface of wood right. to release the spores mm -hmm. and reproduce. Whereas most of the fungus lives in the soil or in the decaying wood or living wood as mycelium. Uh, so when these Rusula and Lactarius mushrooms are forming, the hypomyces gets in there and gets into the mushroom and takes over it. Uh, and they've actually done DNA tests of awesome. lobster mushrooms and there is almost no remaining DNA from the original host mushroom left. Okay, that was going to be one of my questions, because you mentioned before that there was several species mm -hmm. they would uh, essentially invade. And I'm thinking, well, wait a minute, if there's several species, the lobster mushrooms kind of taste different depending on what they're in. So I'm picturing like another mushroom, and this is almost a sort of infusing it. But you're talking about complete and utter taking over to the point that like the DNA is not even there of the original mushroom. It is still there, but it is hugely outnumbered okay. and the the texture and the flavor okay. of the mushrooms is changed by the hypomyces by the lobster mushroom or lobster fungus. Right. Um so okay. uh, does the taste Yeah. Does the taste change depending on what the host mushroom yes, is? Yes, it does. Um so it does. Okay. Um, that was my okay. next question too. 
Yeah, so Lactarius piperatus is a, one of its common hosts in North America, um, and that's what you'll commonly find it growing on in Minnesota. Um, and um, those are technically edible, but most people find them so like spicy, like spicy level bitter that they're like not mm. pleasant to eat. Um, but Ooh, spicy and bitter. What a but combo. with the lobster fungus, it takes it over and it neutralizes that bitterness and makes it edible. Okay. And then similarly, okay. there's another uh, common host in Mexico, uh, Rusula brevipes, which is a type of brittle cap. So it's really crumbly, um, which is great if you want to like break it apart really quick and make like fried up little bits of mushroom. But the sure. the lobster changes its texture in that case and so it becomes a lot more firm and cohesive oh, wow huh that is wild yeah it's really strange um and they're really wonderful though because like they're super easy to identify they have no oh, lookalikes at all um because they're oh, that's, bright that's orange good. sticking out of the <laughs> ground um and they grow wherever their host mushrooms grow so you can find them a lot of places they're so tasty. Uh, I, well, I've heard they're tasty. I feel like I've tasted maybe a little bit. Ugh. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're, they're pretty good. There's a lot of mushrooms out there that just sort of take on the taste of whatever you cook them in. Um, and then mm -hmm. there's like the standouts sure, sure. that people are really like go after, like the morels, the chanterelles that have a more distinct taste. And I feel like mm -hmm. lobster is kind of in the middle. Like they have a bit of a taste to them, but nothing that's like really out there and going to like taste weird to a first-time forager um and i mean other than lobster right. which is kind of a weird thing for a mushroom to taste yes. like yeah especially honest, in like yeah. the middle of like the country we're not exactly known <laughs> for our lobster yeah so you could you could probably make a really good lobster mushroom bisque i bet that would be delicious Ooh. that's what i was just gonna say yeah. yeah or lobster rolls they go for like 20 dollars a pop here Isn't some cheddar, cheddar bay biscuits on the <laughs> really? side. Ooh. The, yeah, the so you can actually... Online, we could do it. Yeah, we, we could make it happen. And you can actually, if you're not feeling confident enough to get out into the woods and find lobsters, or if uh, you're in the Northern Hemisphere right now and it's wintertime, uh, you can actually commonly find <laughs> that? lobster mushrooms mm -hmm. at a lot of, like, co-ops nowadays um, because they are huh. such, a, such a, funky, a funky little thing that people really like to eat. Like, ah, look at this. Tasty Very cool. meal. I had oh. no idea. I I certainly didn't know that they took over a mushroom or another mushroom or fungus's body. Yeah, wow. that's the crazy thing. That's the thing is like someone's gonna write a sci-fi novel where in like fifty years, uh, we've all been eating too many lobster mushrooms and they've just taken over our brains and then we're all lobster zombies. See, yet another reason why, folks. I don't eat fungus. <laughs> there we go. Fair, I fair will be enough. safe. You you will be safe. I I, I, I no, I said I was I said I was horrified at the beginning. There's there's two things I don't eat. Fungus and seafood. So this is like a double no for me. <laughs> but I'm glad that I'm glad that you enjoy it. But I, I will be safe from the eventual uh you know, lobster people apocalypse, <laughs> I think. Then the cordyceps can get you. Yep. Yeah, that'll be the second wave. There's, there's always something. <laughs> Shoot. All right, well. <sighs> what can I say? Yep. 
That's all I got on lobster mushrooms, so we're going to take another break, and then it will be Kirk with something else. I'm going to jump in here and just uh, say that while we've been recording, we've actually had two new followers uh, join us over on Mastodon. Uh, so hi to Frosty and hi to Open Science, who both literally followed us while we're recording. We're getting all kinds of new followers over oh. there as people are joining the party. Uh, speaking of party, that's the server we are on. It's Mastodon.party, which is spelled M-S-T-D-N.party because it's abbreviated. <laughs> um, so if you want to follow us, check out at strange by nature at mstdn.party and uh we'll hope to see you there yeah. welcome back uh okay so anyone who's been paying attention knows that this topic was coming i basically came up with the idea to do this topic in the middle of an episode which presumably most of you listen to no obfuscation this week i'm just talking about amoebas and amoeboids uh, so this topic came to my attention, I guess, technically as a child, but more recently, Fair. it was a couple weeks back while researching the topic of the self-organizing slime molds that were able to oh, recreate yeah. the yeah, efficient yeah, yeah, yeah. layout of the Tokyo subway oh, system, yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is a really cool story. Uh, so I'll assert the obligatory request that you go listen to that episode if, if you haven't. But uh, while I was researching that episode, I read about how the slime mold would send out these little like pseudopod tendrils of itself. And when it found food, it would surround the food and digest it. And like a little bell went off in the deep recesses of my brain. And I was transported back to ninth grade biological science class. <laughs> uh, and in hindsight, I had a pretty cool teacher. Uh, he was a birder like decades before I knew how amazing like cool birders were. <laughs> uh, he also had tons of like aquariums in his classroom. Uh, very much uh, that were filled with every imaginable creature uh, hiding behind live aquatic vegetation. Uh, he basically had like whole ecosystems growing in his classroom. Very cool. Uh, one side note, I also remember he had like half of a mountain goat taxidermy like mounted on the wall. That's one of the kind where you have the head and the front feet. Uh, and he used to joke that he had a he had a bet with the teacher next door and he won. So he got the front of the goat in his classroom and they got the teacher butt. got the ass end in, in his classroom. <laughs> now, later I had that teacher too and discovered that was not actually true, but you know, he was a joker. <laughs> so uh, the classroom was lined with these black acid proof countertops, which I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with. And I have mm. this distinct memory of like tests where the whole classroom would be full of microscopes on those countertops and they'd be numbered and we'd have to peer into the scopes and confidently identify what we're seeing. And number one, Spirogyra. Number two, Volvox. Number three, Hydra. Number four, Euglena. You know, and so that was seriously our test as we were going around the classroom. And wow. I, I remember many of those things year, years later. So it, it seriously stuck with me. Um, and one of the things I remember looking at in class was the amoeba. Uh, and they seem like such a bizarre and alien form of life. Mm -hmm. And so as an adult reading about slime molds, I decided to check out the Wikipedia page of all places about amoebas, just kind of out of sheer curiosity, because this sounded kind of like the kind of thing an amoeba would do, their behavior. Mm -hmm. And um, to my shock, I discovered that I've been living a lie. Now, this probably happens a lot, but it turns out that my ninth grade understanding of amoebas was wrong. <laughs> Who would have thought, really? right? Really? Uh, Crazy. I don't, I don't know that I can, right. I don't know that I can blame my teacher. Ninth grade isn't exactly like the pinnacle of education and like, you know, 
paying attention to what you're learning. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's other distractions like the the bully who punched me in the face in that class. But, um, you know, I may not have correctly understood every nuance of the subject matter. But asking around, though, it sounds like the misunderstanding I had is a misunderstanding that a lot of people have. Uh, as it turns out, there's no such thing as an amoeba. What? What? Right. So... Victoria made a joke on this about on the show two weeks ago about this that there's a famous book called No Such Thing as a Fish. Oh yeah. Uh, this yeah. all comes from a quote from St- Stephen Jay Gould where he basically points out that everything we call a fish is not necessarily cl- actually closely related at all, that, that and we can a... really break them into different groups. That's been a debate yeah, in my there isn't really recently. We have a whiteboard where it's Excellent. either everything is a fish <laughs> yeah. or nothing is a fish. Nothing is a fish is currently right. There really shouldn't be a monolithic group called fish. They don't actually share sort of a recent common ancestor. Mm -hmm. So there's a bit of a similar thing going on with the word amoeba. Uh, As it turns out, there is no group of animals called amoebas that we can lump them all into one group in the same way that we could say birds or mammals and such. So amoebas Hmm. or amoeboids, if you prefer, are simply creatures with similar styles of locomotion and digestion, that whole pseudopod thing that we send out. Mm-hmm. That's what makes something an amoeba. And I use the word creatures very carefully there because uh, we're not necessarily talking about animals. I mean, some of them are animals and some of them aren't. It kind of depends on what you're talking about. So huh. there's actually ame- amoeboid creatures in every major lineage of eukaryotic life. Uh, there are amoeba there are amoeba animals there are amoeba algae there are amoeba fungi there are amoeba amoeba protozoa like then they're not necessarily really related okay so okay well i mean that makes sense but at the same time it i know nature laughs at our categories but this is taking it too far right i mean truly an amoeba is not one thing and I think we all get the impression it is from teachers in school who have ordered amoeba samples for us to look at. I, I thought my teacher was out there dipping in the pond looking for amoebas. Turns out you can just order them like, you know, from a catalog. Uh, and so if you peered at amoeba in a school microscope, you were likely looking at either, and I love these names, uh, chaos carolinescence, I think is how it's said, or amoeba proteus. Those are the two most common ones. And they're actually very closer. Those two actually are closely related. Hmm. Um, so these are the two most common ones used in schools. And they're probably more like what is classically thought of as an amoeba. I mean, the genus of one is even amoeba. Right. Um, so like this is sort of your classic amoeba. And it's maybe perhaps because it's like too complex of a topic and teachers don't want, don't want to confuse ninth graders. Or perhaps the teachers themselves don't really know the truth. Or perhaps because they do know the truth and they told us the truth and we weren't paying attention, which is absolutely possible. Entirely I think we possible. all assumed amoebas were a sp- specific type of creature instead of a particular form of locomotion favored by many types of life. So maybe this one's on us. I- I'm not sure. Hmm. Uh, I did mention different categories of life that have amoebas, and I'm sure people are curious. So I'm going to end uh, with an example from each of the areas of life I mentioned earlier. Hmm. So here we go. Uh, the amoebas you probably saw in school were examples of protozoans. Uh, some people call those the true amoebas. Uh, the famous brain-eating amoeba, uh, oh, yeah, Nagleria yeah, yeah. fowleri, which oh, uh, yeah. I, I've talked about on the show, um, is actually a percolozoa, uh, which is a completely different phylum of life from the other amoebas. Of course. Uh, I already mentioned the, the slime mold uh, that is an amoeboid. That would be in the phylum uh, 
my mycetozoa or mycetozoa. We also have these are all such great names. Yeah, you're, you're uh, doing Synchroma great. Gra- <laughs> Thank you, Synchroma Grande. I like that it's name. <laughs> uh, it's a it's a it's a benthic marine amoeba uh, that is actually a type of algae. Huh. And so, Ooh. not only is that a different phylum. Now we're talking about an entire different kingdom of life <laughs> than yeah. the other ones we've mentioned, which is pretty Boy, awesome. And it's really um, far down then, too. Like that, the pressures and everything down there. Like, oh yeah, crazy. Yeah, <laughs> pretty wild. And some amoebas are actually more like cells that are part of part of larger systems. So uh, marine sponges, which are animals, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, have amoeboid cells in them, and so do you. What? Wait, wait, wait. Oh, is yeah. it? Oh, is oh, it? Have a, no, is, is it? Is it mitochondria? Not mitochondria. No. You always want to bring it back to the powerhouse of the cell, don't you? Yeah, leukocytes, what? white blood cells. The things that fight, fight disease in your body, they are technically amoeboids. Again, remember, not because they're related to those things you studied in school, but because of their form of locomotion. Mm-hmm. They, they are these blobby things that you know surround and, in this case, destroy uh, things invading your body. So huh. amoeboid locomotion is, like, is likely one of the first forms of locomotion on Earth. So it probably shouldn't be surprising that we have lots of things you know, still around that have diversified and used that form of locomotion. So mm-hmm. there you have it. Amoebas, not just one thing. Okay. But then, like, okay, so... The, okay, so it's a type of motion for the thing. <laughs> yeah. For many different kinds of things across mm. all life. Why do we still yep. call them amoebas if they're all different well, things? Well, you know, what it probably comes down to, yeah. So the first, the, the, there is something, like probably what you studied in school, that thing you saw, which is a protozoan, we call an amoeba. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, that that genus of, you know, amoeba, that uh, amoeba genus, which we've sort of split things off into other, you know, um, g- related gen- uh, genera now and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But um, that's what we called an amoeba. And then as we started to discover these other things, we're like, oh, but that kind of moves like an amoeba does. And so technically these things are still considered amoebas, or it's why some people prefer the term amoeboid, just let's say an amoeba-like thing. So if you want to be like a purist, you could say, oh, no, no, it's really, there's amoebas, which is what I learned about in ninth grade, and then there's all these other things that are amoeboids that sort of act like them. But really, it's like they all kind of, Form, share this form of locomotion, even though they're not uh, related. And science do ref- scientists do refer to all these things as amoebas hmm. um, or amoeboids, even though they're they're not genetically related. So it is very much kind of like that whole fish thing, where it's a convenient term for us to use. Like mm-hmm. all these things all swim in the water and kind of look at this; they're all fish. And you go, yeah, but they're not really closely related. It's like ah, they're fish. <laughs> Don't confuse me, you know. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's just sort of tradition at this point. Mm. If scientists had discovered things in different order. We may only have, you know, the term amoeboid locomotion, let's say, and they might have called amoebas, uh, you know, Rachel's. And then we, <laughs> you know, we wouldn't think this was an interesting topic Rachel. at all and wouldn't be talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. Don't want to get those Rachel's up the nose when you're swimming. That's real dangerous. Ooh. I know. What a weird note to end on. <laughs> Woo, thanks, everybody. Uh, we're going to call it a wrap right there, and we'll, uh, we'll see you next time. Yeah. Thanks, Alicia, for joining us this week. I uh, really appreciate Absolutely. you coming. Yeah, thanks so much for including me. This was a lot of fun. Oh, good. <laughs> Excellent. 
Thanks for being here. And thank you to all of you for listening, and we'll see you all next week. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thanks, everyone, for listening to today's show. Be sure to subscribe. New episodes drop every Wednesday, and we love sharing this strange world with all of our listeners. If you would be so kind as to leave us a five-star review, that would be great. It lets other lovers of the strange discover the show. You can reach out to us on social media by searching for Strange by Nature Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can send us an email as well. Our address is contact at strangebynaturepodcast.com. If you want more information about the show, you can also check out our website, which is strangebynaturepodcast.com. Until next week, get outside, stay curious, and embrace the strange.